You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. I invite you to find your Bible and turn in the Scriptures to the book of Judges as we begin this study this morning. Judges chapter 1, verse 1. So we're really diving in today. But uh, Judges 1, verse 1. While you're finding that, head to the beginning of your Bible, see the first five books, you got Joshua and then Judges and find that. On your way there, we've got a picture, I had a lot of good ones from last week, so guys, I, girls that turned in your pictures, I, I went through, you know, like who's, who's been up here lately, and, and I came to this one because lo and behold, Madeline has not shown up here, and she gave me a picture last week. So thank you, Madeline, and we talked last week on the mission of the church and bringing glory to God. That's our ultimate purpose, is God's ultimate purpose in bringing glory, praise to himself. And we want to be part of that mission as a church. We talked about our mission of exalting the Lord and building up one another internally and then going out to evangelize. So thank you, Madeline, for catching the, the main point there. Um, as you get to Judges chapter 1, verse 1, I can't remember for sure where I heard it, and maybe uh, Hannah uh, brought this to my mind, maybe of some homeschool thing she had learned or something like this. But you've maybe heard the advice before when you begin to read a book, and maybe in terms of if you want to read a certain book or not, you take the first sentence of the book, read it, and then you take the the last sentence of the book and read it. Maybe you've heard this before and then that gives you an idea and maybe you know whether you want to purchase the book or whether it's going to be of interest to you or that sort of thing. Today we're in God's Word, so I'm not asking us to read the first and last verses and go, should we look at this or not? It's God's Word. We should. So I'm not, we're not debating whether we should be here. It's good. It's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training us in righteousness, that sort of thing. Um, But we're also going to look and use the the first and last verse of Judges to just kind of guide us, give us a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about the middle part, but really, where is this book going? Where does it fit for us? Maybe answer a few questions along the way and look at that, some history, that sort of thing. So look with me, if you will, at the book of Judges. Look at verse 1. So I'll read that. Now, there's more here. I'm just going to read the verse. This is verse 1, if we were to do this. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? That's verse 1. Turn with me to the end of Judges. Now that you're there, find chapter 21. You'll find the last chapter of the book. Find verse 25, you'll find the last, I guess it's two sentences in the ESV at least, but the last verse of the book, and I want to read that as well. Here's the last verse. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Let me pray for us and then we'll get into it. Father, again, we would just ask and I ask for your grace upon this time in your word. Some of this, Lord, we're covering seems it's introductory. It's information, some of it. Lord, we trust that even as we seek to understand 
the context of this book and kind of where things lie and how to, how to hang up where we're at and what, what we're going to be studying, that you would use this in our study, that it would inform our study, that we would not be those that, just, that would just pick a verse out of, of somewhere and make it mean what we want it to mean. We want to see, Lord, what did you intend with your word written to your people? What's, what's your meaning from our use of grammar, from your use of language and sentences and paragraphs? So help us to understand you as we read this, Lord, and, and to listen with ears ready to hear uh, what you would have for us and how you've been moving throughout history. So we pray for your glory to be seen experience in this time together in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Judges 1.1, I'm back a bit, Judges 1.1, just look a little bit. It begins with a historical statement, just a few first words. That history is after the death of Joshua. After the death of Joshua. We spent uh, the majority of 2019 going through the book of Joshua. And uh, we went through a lot of places, a lot of hard names to pronounce, all those sorts of things. But we looked generally, if you remember back then, we looked at this idea of trusting and obeying the God of your salvation. Trust and obey. Trust and obedience. And then this, this Joshua, really that word, that it's God who saves. And we looked at this. And at the end of Joshua, the book of Joshua, we have chapter 24. I want you to go there to chapter 24 of Joshua. Not hard, just flip back a couple pages. And we're here in this book of Judges really even just practically as I, I, I want to teach and desire to teach the whole counsel of God. We go into the New Testament. We were in Philippians after Joshua. Now we're back and just thought, well, where do we go? Uh, we're in Joshua, so let's just keep going. That's and the practical reason why we're here. But here in, this, in the last chapter of Joshua, we've got Joshua, he's advanced in years. What a great phrase. He's, he's old, right? But that, he's advanced in years. Great way to, to put that. And he gathers the tribes uh, at Shechem. And what's, what's really, there's, what's going on here, there's a remembrance of God. Here's what God has done for them. He is their salvation. And then there's a call to serve him. So remember what he did. Here's the call. Serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. And because this section, I think it just gives us a great, kind of a, almost a quick review of Israel's history because I know we're kind of just jumping into Judges, kind of plop. Where, do, where are we in history? I think this chapter will give us some idea of Israel's history. And so I think it's worth reading to you as it leads us into Judges. So I'm just going to read. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Try to follow along if you can. Uh, as you can, maybe you've got a different translation. If that's too hard, just, just listen to it. Close your eyes and listen. Picture Joshua here. Verse 1, he's gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. He summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. Now, Joshua 24, 2. Here's what Joshua is going to say to this group. Can you see them all gathered for this kind of this, this speech of sorts? Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac 
And to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. You hear the history going on? From the calling of Abraham to the coming out of Egypt. Okay, verse 6. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you. The two kings of the Amorites, it was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Verse 14, Now therefore, right? Remember all this. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did these great signs in our sight. And preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. The people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you. Incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve, and His voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. 
Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. They buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath Sarah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died. And they buried him at Gibeah, the town of Phinehas, his son, which had been given him in the hill country of Ephraim. It's a long chapter. Did you catch the history and the call where we enter then with Judges? The ESV titles, at least in part, the section, the chapter that we just read, titles it Covenant Renewal. That is, God's promised His presence with His people. He's going to be their God, and they're going to be His people. But the covenant had stipulations to it for each party to be faithful to this promise, this covenant. So the people answer. They answer Joshua's call, right? Call, he calls them, choose this day whom you're going to serve. And they answer, well, yeah, we're, in essence, of course we'll serve Him. Right? He's our God. We're, we'll remember what He's done. We'll serve the Lord. And Joshua challenges them, you're not able. He's holy. He's a jealous God. And if you forsake and turn to foreign gods, he says he'll do you harm. He'll consume you after having done you good. And, and, they, and they reply, no, but we're going to serve him. We'll serve the Lord. There's a stone set up, the stone of witness of their commitment and, their com- and the Lord and what he has said as a witness against them. And thus the people are sent away to their inheritance And we read Joshua dies at 110, and so Judges 1-1 is where we pick up after the death of Joshua. Now in the book of of Judges, before we think about a few more words here, there's a range of years of history that we're going to cover here. Um, We see the period, even the period of Judges, most prominently it's seen in this book called Judges. So Judges is about Judges. But it's not the whole period. It actually continues into Ruth. The book of Ruth happened in the time of the Judges. So that's in the time period. Also even just segues into Samuel, a judge, and his two sons. But it's leading into then the kingship. Chronologically after that is the kingship of Saul, a king. They wanted to be like the other nations against Saul. And then a king after God's own heart, David. So there's, there's a flow to the history here of what's going on. As to judges, its place in the English Bible, obviously you're there, you're, you're where it's at. Uh, it's part of what's called in the English Bible the historical books, for obvious reasons. There's history here. 
Uh, in the Jewish divisions, as they divide up the Old Testament, it's part of what's called the former prophets, which is basically the tracing of history uh, from Joshua to the time of the exile when they're advan- eventually exiled because of sin. Uh, we read about that in the Kings to Babylon. So it's called former prophets. It, it's history as well. In particular, Judges covers some 300 years of history. I, I believe there's some overlap of the Judges uh, I wanted to get into, I mean, I won't today, uh, the, the chronology of everything. We like everything, just kind of boom, boom, boom. You know, here's what happened, then next, then next, then next. It, it's, ancient writing is not that way. There's greater purposes to it, historically purposes to see what God's doing. But in essence, 300 years is covered in this book. You know what 300 years ago was here? And that's like, that's 1700. That's before the War for Independence. It's a long it's a long period of time. So we're going to read 21 chapters, but we're covering a lot of history in this book. And it's, as we look at this book, and even the title of it, Judges, it's good to ask just who were these judges. Because we tend to think of them, at least if you're thinking of a judge, you think of them settling a dispute maybe, weighing the facts, courtroom, robe, that idea. Judges, was this just wait a second, we're, this is just a lot of courtroom drama, that kind of thing. No, I don't think so. The judges here, they're not in robes in a courtroom. They're, they're leading the people in deliverance. Oftentimes, the people have gotten into sin, an enemy has taken over, and the judge leads them back out of that, delivers them. And, and then, to more or lesser, as we'll see, degrees, that judge encourages them to follow the Lord. And there's Generally, although it's on a decline, there's generally the people follow the Lord as long as the judge is alive. But when the judge dies, as we're seeing after the death of Joshua here, when the judge dies, there's a decline and the people fall away again. Okay, so to our first verse, just look, just one, really one phrase that I'm, I'm really looking at is after the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord. They asked of the Lord, like, who's going to go fight against the Canaanites? This is a good start. It begins well, doesn't it? They inquire. They're seeking the Lord. It doesn't tell us all what's going on, but it seems like, Lord, what would you have? Who's going to go? What do you want from us? And later in the book, we're told this generation served the Lord all the days of Joshua and then the days of the the elders who outlived Joshua. And so in many ways, it seems like if we just read the first sentence, the people are off to a good start. Um, But the decay, some call it a downward spiral. That's why we've talked about in the title, the, the corrupt hearts. There's decay going on. It's seen even before all the leadership dies out. And we'll look at that as we get into chapter chapter one and look at this. As we progress through the book, though, we're going to come to some fascinating accounts. Last week, kids, I said, you're going to have some amazing drawings, I think. Parents, don't blame me for the drawings. I'm just reading the Word of God. But there's some amazing things that will come up, some fascinating accounts showing, one, the corruption of the people. If you know, you know judges, the corruption of the people over and over again, and the mighty, the gracious deliverance of God again and again. Kids, for your sake and your parents and, and all that are here, how about a few, just a few snapshots we're going to see? It's kind of like snippets. What's this going to be? What are we going to find? Here's a couple of them. 
We're going to find a left-handed judge will stab the king of Moab to death and escape to eventually subdue them and deliver the people from their enemies. Sound interesting? It is. It's more interesting than what I just said. Uh, An enemy army commander will be put to death in a tent by a woman who was supposed to be protecting him. There's missions at night. There's searching for dew in the morning on fleece. There's a whittling down of an army of 32,000 down to 300 men just so that when they win against a huge army, God gets the glory. There's conspiracy, but then salvation comes by a rock being thrown by a high tower and kills the conspirator. There's an ill-spoken oath in order to ask for God's help. We find an account of a young lion. Uh, We find an account of finding honey in the carcass of the lion. Somebody catches 300 foxes, which I've never caught one fox. There's a jaw of a donkey. A donkey's jaw defeats a thousand men. Can you get the pictures forming, guys? What is this what is this book? Where are we going? And near the end, we find great sexual perversion and even civil war. One writer says this of Judges. I just thought it's, so, it's, it's well written. He says, It's so earthy, so puzzling, so primitive, so violent in a word, so strange that the church can scarcely stomach it. As with many Old Testament materials, the sentiment seems to be, if we just study the epistles long enough, maybe it will go away. <laughs> so, um, he says, the church has her way of dealing with embarrassing Scripture. Ignore it. Yet that's difficult to do with judges. It's so interesting. Only people who take tranquilizers before sitting down can doze off while they read it. Kids, maybe you read through the book today. You go, Mom, I've that found where all this was. You're going to find that in there. We're going to find it as we go along. In general, then, Judges is the account starting off. It's, 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 there's seeds of corruption. Seeds of corruption being sown in some of the first chapters of this book. So it's, they're not off the tracks just right away, but we're going to see seeds of corruption being sown. And then the text exposes that these enemies that are left behind, though they're conquered, they would persist in tempting Israel to get off course. And in the middle, we've got some six cycles of corruption. And then the enemy comes in, and then they cry out to the Lord, and then the Lord sends a deliverer. And the deliverer dies, and there's corruption, and they call out to the Lord. And all and on and on the cycles go. And then towards the end, as I mentioned, we see depths of corruption as we find this story of a a murdered woman taken limb by limb, and those limbs are sent throughout the land of Israel. It's quite a book. And so we get then to the last verse of Judges 21. So look there again, verse 25 of, of Judges 21. And I think it's informative as we've kind of thought about that middle corruption, decay, all these sorts of things. And it just says so succinctly in Judges 21, 25, in those days there was no king in Israel 
Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The book starts, people, they're inquiring of the Lord. Lord, what do you want us to do? And by the end, their hearts, their corrupt hearts have been revealed. They're going to self-determine. I'm going to choose what's right and wrong based on what I think. Is that right in my eyes? Sure. Wrong? I'll go. No, that's, I'm going to choose what's right and wrong rather than look to Yahweh. They obey for a time. There's a temporary change because the oppression's too much and a deliverer comes and they obey. But then again, that leader, that judge dies. As it said, there's no king in Israel and they're back to their evil ways again. I think that's fitting. It's fitting. They did what was right, but there's also no king. There was not a king. They needed an incorruptible king. They needed a king that would outlast. They needed a godly king, but one that would live on to lead them. One who would not die. Fulfilled in some ways in the near term. Right? We mentioned the history. You've got judges leading into Samuel, his sons, leading into Saul, and then leading into David, a, a greater a king in Israel. And yet, ultimately, our gaze needs to go beyond David, right? To an eternal king, the Lord Jesus I want to conclude just as we've looked at this beginning, and I know it's an introduction of sorts, just helping us kind of kind of get a handle a little bit on, on Judges. I just have just a, a word of hope and a word of caution as we get into this book. As we think of this book, um, even in our time, a word of hope and then a word of caution as we begin to look at Judges. One, a word of hope. I think it's providential, isn't it, of the Lord that as we begin this book of Judges, we in the United States have a new leader. Okay? We're not called a king here in this land, but a new leader taking office January 20th on Wednesday. And there are many unknowns. But I think we can say the trajectory of our nation does not look good. It does not look like we're going in a Godward direction, does it? You may find yourself looking around saying, you know, America sure looks a lot like what I read in Judges. Everyone seems to be doing, how many times, you've probably used the phrase yourself, everyone seems to just be doing whatever's right in their own eyes. In fact, it's interesting, Judges, written, you know, 3,000 years ago from our time, and it too, it was written to a people, I think a people around the time of Samuel. Here's what the, the SV Study Bible talks about, um, so we've got the history of Judges, and then we want to ask, who were the people it was written to? I think the people around Samuel, the beginning of Saul, that's the people this book is aimed at. And here's what the study Bible says. It says, Israel's apostasy, that means they're falling away, their disbelief, their unbelief. Israel's apostasy pointed to the need for establishing the legitimate kingship under David didn't point to a king like other nations. They needed a godly king. And without godly leadership, the nation was doomed to corruption. And so we might easily find some parallels to our day and the need for godly leadership, the, the falling of a nation, the falling away from God, at least God as a moral compass. But lest we look to Washington, D.C. for the hope of our nation, right? I was reminded this week by another pastor I was watching. 
that our salvation does not come from whoever will take the oath of office as president on Wednesday. Praise the Lord. I mean, right? Good or bad, that's not ultimately where our salvation comes from. We already have an incorruptible king. We have one who's taken office in the heavenlies, and one day every knee is going to bow to that king, King Jesus Remember the hymn, This is My Father's World? One of the lines in there says, And though the wrong seem oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. What a great line. There's hope in our incorruptible King Jesus, though another leader shall take office this week. So there's hope. And a word of caution. Here's the caution. As again, as we read through Judges, the caution is, uh, or the, maybe the temptation is to just read America into these pages. Okay? The, the corruption of the people of Judges, think about the people that are corrupt in this book, as we'll see. It's, it's not centered on the Canaanites or the Perizzites, the Hittites, you know, all the ites. Not centered on them, isn't it? They've got their own judgment. They've already, you know, their sins have, have grown, and so, so Israel's come in, taken over the land. There is a judgment on sin. But who's in focus here? It's the people, the people of God. The, the, their hearts were facing corruption. These people, they had covenanted to serve God. We're, we'll serve Him, and their hearts were going astray. That's who it's aimed and who we're seeing at. When the world acts like the world and elects leaders that mirror its desires, we really shouldn't be surprised. We're not going, this is surprising that sinners would do this. We, having the Bible, we understand the corruption and the decay in our world. It's a world in bondage to corruption. And, and I, I don't mean to say we shouldn't try to influence that world or elect good leaders or, or be involved in the political sphere at all. Don't hear, I'm not saying... We need to live as light, shine in darkness, proclaim truth, pray as we did this morning. But then as we just bring it home, we, the church, must guard and examine our own hearts. That we, we the elect people of God, if you put your trust in Christ as Savior, the elect people of God, that we've been bought by the blood of Christ, that we would gladly follow Him and what He said in our Word, that we would Paul talks about keeping watch on yourselves lest we be tempted and pulled away and enticed with the world's way of doing things. Maybe it's small. Maybe there's seeds there that we need to be cautious of. So my question for you today in my own heart, but for you, where are you today on the spectrum of inquiring of the Lord, verse 1, and they did what was right in their own eyes. Where, where are you in your walk with Christ on that spectrum? Yeah, I'm looking, I'm inquiring of the Lord. I'm daily seeking His face. I'm kind of determining right and wrong. I'm on my own. I encourage you to examine. We can look at America. <laughs> We've got enough examples. Look at your own heart. Where's your heart at? So that's what I want us to do. I want to take a quiet moment. I'm just going to, I'll pray in a bit, but I want you just just to close your eyes and pray a quiet moment before the Lord to just examine your heart. So join with me. Examine your heart. 
Who is the king? You know, I sing last week, who's the king of my heart? Let's examine that for a second before the Lord. Lord, would you reveal who's reigning in my heart? Lord, how often we are prone to wander ourselves, our own hearts. As that song says, the slow fade. Maybe we're not lost in just one day, but it's, it's momentary uh, temptations, compromises that lead us away from inquiring of you, of knowing your will in your word to determining our will for us and making our own calls and what we need and what we think will help in a situation. Lord, may we be a people, especially in these days ahead, that are grounded firmly in your word and, Lord, ultimately living for your glory, saying, Lord, what's right in your eyes? What would you have us do? Lord, that we would look towards our incorruptible King Jesus for our salvation and as our Lord. Lord, guide us as a church in this. Guide our hearts. Lord, by your grace, come after us, as it were. Pull us back to your, your heart and where you would have us. We pray that pulling is done by your spirit, working through your word, working through your body amongst us. We pray this in your name. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.